Well, that's what you are, eh? Head on a stick. This is the Horrible Film School. Take a seat and slowly rip open your trapper keepers. I am Chris, and I am here with Mr. Ryan Hootie. What's up, boys? Ready to grab myself a cold Foster's? Oh, God. This is going to be the episode of never-ending bad impersonations. That's going to be bad. Also join with the terror from up yonder, Mr. Nasty, a.k.a. Joey. I'm going to go ahead and nip this in the bud. Uh, Vegemite, kangaroos, Steve Irwin, didgeridoo, koala, kangaroo, <laughs> crocodile Dundee, shrimp on the bobby, Foster's, Australian for beer, Outback Steakhouse, Hugh Jackman, <laughs> Mel Gibson. I don't think Outback Steakhouse is Australian. All right, is it's there anything pretty damn else to add to the list? Uh, Alexander Let's Volkanovsky. Go. We throw him out there. Oh, the great one. Is he still the great one now? He's lost uh, how many fights in a row? Oh, that was at a different weight class, though. It wasn't his belt. He was going for uh, the lightweight belts. He won that first fight. See, now here's the thing. That's why I'm okay. trying to go for the top weight class. That way... No one can challenge me. You heard me. Super heavyweight. You're just waiting. There's no. There's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to go but down. You know. There's nobody else in the weight class. So technically, you are the best. I made shells and cheese the other day, right? Velveeta. Let me tell you what I did to this bad boy. Got craft. Put a little bit of cayenne in there. Some red pepper flakes, as well as oh. Dijon mustard. Oh. Um, some buffalo hot sauce and a little bit of two percent milk. Did you, did you feel did. your pants? Jesus, man. Oh, I felt my I felt my stomach. Then you I put any honey in there? No, you don't. You don't mix sweet with. Uh, wow. Well, you do mix sweet with savory, I guess. But oh yeah. Nah, we'll, we'll save that. Maybe hot honey. You, I still got. I see you literally have hot honey, and, and by the bucket loads, apparently they're recording you. Hawaiian pizza, that man. Give me some of that. Sweet and that savory. Oh, you see Pizza Hut? They just introduced their hot honey pizza. Oh shit! Oh yeah. Well, before we uh, denigrate the good people from down under any further, I got a question for you, boys. How long do you think you could survive the outback? As a as a proponent of watching Survivor Man and uh, you know Bear Grylls, Bear Grylls for a better part of oh my, my life. Um, I think I could thrive in the Outback. Bear Grylls get your ass killed, Joey. Okay. Thrive. I'll Didn't eat, all eat a lot fucking, of Dookie and stuff. I'll eat all the fucking all Dookie. I'll, I'll drink all the Dookie water because he, he used to take Dookie and he would squeeze the Dookie and get the water out. <laughs> um, cactuses. I tap. Is there cactuses in? Cacti. There's no cacti. Cacti. There's no cacti in Australia. Cacti. You're telling me that Bear Grylls taught you how to squeeze water out of out of shit, but out if you turds. go to Mexico, but if you go to Mexico right. and you this, drink regular water, you will shit your brains out, dude. If you go to the fucking Flint, Michigan, you'll you'll die from the water. This is true. Um, That's very sad. See, now you're thinking about me picking up some like man turd and squeezing it yeah. and getting the water. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you're on turds. No, this is like bison and shit like that. You know, it's, also it's, it's like, cleaner. Man, Cleaner it's grass. like pies and not really do kind of a lot of a lot of grass. It doesn't have as much honey in their uh, fecal matter, <laughs> so it's not as sticky. Okay, okay. I, See, I, I think I, I would. Um, I think to, to your point, Chris, or your question, I think I would survive for a decent time. I would have to know, like, do I have any any tools, any supplies? Nah, or am I just, bruh. This is just straight you. Straight out the house. No hat. 
no shoes, just stumbling through the horrendous atmosphere. I think I'd just kill myself. Jesus. He just starts I mean, eating cacti. Kill I mean, me. If I, ain't, if I ain't even got no shoes on, what am I supposed to do? I can't make shoes. How would you kill yourself, Realist. though? You start eating sand or some shit? Just run off a cliff. Just call it. <laughs> Realistically, if it like gets above 95 degrees out there, I'm probably just going to let a kangaroo beat me to death. Beat the shit out of Just me. have me. <laughs> He's just going to lay on his stomach and spread his cheeks. You can just have me. Take shove me, his, nature. Shove his head inside of its pouch and suffocate himself. <laughs> He's a joey, after all. Did you guys do any like Australian research at all? Like Australian facts? I did a lot of research on the the man who plays Mick. Oh, Mr. Jarrat. Well, I had one cool like Australian fact I wanted to talk about. Here we go. Um, I mean, obviously Australia, beautiful country, uh, tons of, of, of beautiful landscapes, awesome wildlife. Steve Irwin, you know, beloved by the entire world. Um, R.I.P. Gone Except for that stingray. Dan for 20 years. Uh, fuck that stingray. Um, so I jam my thumb in his butthole. Koalas are like, they carry. Chlamydia. More high, per populace, <laughs> koalas have more chlamydia than the human race. Fuck yes. <laughs> and it's decimating their population. Isn't that fucking crazy? I wonder how cute really? a little bear penis is. It's really weird, actually. I don't know how they got it, how they're. How they're spreading it. They're spreading it like wildfire. It's love, man. What do you mean? You see another koala just hanging out on a bush. I don't know any of this. What do these words really mean? (laughs) Well, getting ahead of ourselves here, talking about Australia. Today's assignment was my choice. Decided we wanted to hit up the old southern hemisphere. So I chose 2005's Wolf Creek for today's assignment. Today's lesson the thrill is in the hunt. Can you try that again with a uh, an Australian accent? I'm going to leave that uh, cultural appropriation to you, my guy. Let me hear you do it. Thrill is in the hunt. Go. Crikey, the thrill is in the hunt. I don't know what the fuck that was. Crikey. The thrill is in the hunt, yeah? Hey, mate, the thrill is in the hunt. There you go. He found it. There That's it was. fucking terrible, man. This was my choice, so we'll be leading the charge forward today. And as always, let's preface all this with some fan reviews just to see what we're going to get ourselves into here. Starting with our classic negative, Nancy. Both reviews by way of IMDb today, both from December of 2005. So this was a Christmas release, I believe, in the U.S. So Christmas fucking day. So that means these were both written Wild. within uh, the week that the movie came out. So keep that in mind. All right, negative review by title of A Steamy Turd from Better to Lose 26. Shout out Better to Lose. I've had better bowel movements than this movie. The only way this movie could have been better is if they didn't make it at all. A trite storyline, terrible dialogue. Most of the supporting footage of Australian scenery, which I guess was supposed to make you go ooh and ah, forget how bad the movie was. Many, many pointless scenes, like when the girl wakes up to three strangers on the beach and decides to go swimming topless. Save your 8 to $12 and spend time with a friend or loved one by entertaining each other with an intellectual conversation. This movie sucked. One out of ten. Eight to twelve dollars. This was definitely back in two thousand five. I was gonna say they dated the fuck out of this one. Holy shit! 
You still get a you still get a flick for twelve bucks. You might get a popcorn. Yeah, if you go there on a bucks. Tuesday at fucking two in the afternoon. Yeah, with the old folks. Yeah. There were some good points in there. There were some bad points too, but I I was also confused by the beach scene. It's just classic horror movie setup. I think you really need to look at this with the lens of the whole seventies horror homage in mind. I think to appropriately gestate what's going on, but we'll get to it. You've never been at the beach, like, and it's your last day at the beach, and you're kind of like, oh, I want to cherish this moment, so why don't I just go out here and, you know, pull my dick out and take a dip in the ocean? I can, I can definitely she say that I've never, that scene. never uh, done the, the last part of that, but definitely the first, yes. I just go out there, and I just, I take the I take the sleeve of my pants, and I pull them to the side, and I dip my balls one time into the ocean, bloop. Nothing like a family beach with a a grown-ass man just teabagging the ocean. A family beach with a bunch of people drunk, passed out on it? What the hell are you talking about? I'm talking about you, motherfucker. It's a Daytona beach, baby. There's hypodermic needles in the sand. Mm. That is kind of a good time. It's like landmines everywhere, you know? All right, moving on. Positivity here. This is from Love a Doll 20. Reviewed by the title of Creepier Than My Grandma's Cooking. The fuck does that mean? <laughs> that got my attention. That's all I can say. Wow, I am stunned and freaked out right now. After seeing Wolf Creek, I'm going to be sleeping with the light on tonight. I love scary movies, and I'm not easy to scare. But wow, this did a number on me. This is the best horror movie this year next to Emily Rose. Holy crap. I am not going on any secluded highways or road trips. No, sir. It is traumatically scary. The acting, the music, the anxiety, it just makes it all feel so real. The lighting was used well, too, because it made it seem kind of like a documentary. The icing on the cake is it's based on true events. Only horror-obsessive people will be able to tolerate it. If an average moviegoer who enjoys horror, you're guaranteed to get freaked out here. That's my two cents on Wolf Creek. I urge you to see it. It is a defining horror of our genre. I'm shaking. I'm on the edge. That's how good and effective it is. Ten out of ten. They didn't say a word about anybody's cooking. After that, it is creepier <laughs> than grandma's cooking, motherfucker. Is this is this somebody's mom? It was just a very mom written review. I think mom Emily might have Rose? a little bit of grammar than this. Emily Rose was a big deal that year. Emily Rose that. was is that the whole, that's the Exorcism movie, right? With yes, from, uh, Jennifer Carpenter. Okay, Deb that was Dexter. a good movie. People like that. I don't one. know if you guys remember. It was pretty good. I remember trailers for it. I don't actually remember the watching. Nine it. names. You don't remember that part? Dude, that shit was fucking freaky. She had a she had a little run there. She did quarantine as well. Yeah. Uh, a couple of years after this. Yeah. Good for that. I just say it was good. She just had a run. I, I, she was running. What I she wasn't mind. winning, but she was running. <laughs> she was in it. She was running uh, the race. I didn't for mind sure. that movie. I had, it's hard for me to it's hard for me to not like a horror movie. Like this guy says, it's a defining horror of our genre. I'm not even sure what that means, but we always say it about the genre. You definitely get the caveat of your audience is going to be more invested than, I don't know, your typical comedy or drama crowd. All right, so yeah, that sets up uh, two extreme takes on the movie. Let's get into the crew notes, people who made this bad boy. Pretty bare bones here. The only uh, person of note I got behind the camera is the director, a fellow by the name of Greg McLean, who we actually talked about, but I completely forgot. As a director of the Belco Experiment, he also did... Wolf Creek 2, believe it or not, both, uh, I believe, are precursors to Belko. So, it's been a bit since he's made anything big. 
also directed three episodes of the uh, 2017 TV series. This movie spawned as well. Yeah, this was the movie that kind of set him up or established him as an up-and-coming horror director. So I feel like he's gotten into TV directing now is what I've seen a lot of his credits the past couple of years. So. Yeah, uh, since like 2017. Yeah, just like strictly television. He's just not about that horror life or what is uh, well, half Well, apparently is. there is a, spoiler alert, uh, Wolf Creek 3 that's in like post-production. Post-production? I saw like a really post. goofy rendered poster and thought it was fake. You tell me that's like real? That's getting done? The There Will Be Blood poster? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's an actual poster. Uh, the Making Of is on YouTube, and I watched it. And this is a beloved film in Australia. Oh, the franchise. This is a beloved franchise. People love Wolf Creek. and This is their uh, Friday the 13th in Australia. Oh, yeah, this is massive over there. This is like their, I think this is their highest grossing like Australian movie. Like, ever. Whoa. Bigger than Mad Max or The Road Warrior? No, I think it was, was that shot in Australia? Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Okay, gotcha. Well, I don't know. Well, no, now that you say that, Greg Miller, a lot of his shit was, was a shot in Australia. I thought it was, but I could be wrong. I Is it Greg? What the, fuck? the guy from the, the Mad Max director. George Miller. George Miller. George Miller. Greg George Miller. Miller, excuse me. He also directed Happy Feet. Greg Miller's okay? that fucking Locking. cuck from IGN. Yes. Well, that poor soul. Throwing him under the bus. Sorry, George. I fucking love your movies. I love the Mad Max series. I did enjoy the music. I didn't really talk about it in the actual, you know, final final thoughts sort of review, but the music's like super somber. It's like I'm in a fucking funeral parlor or something, you know? Yeah, it's definitely brooding. I've uh I've taken up a habit of when I'm doing my notes for the podcast and my research, I put on the score for the movie. Because luckily, like thanks to the internet, we can just pull up a soundtrack to any movie and listen to it, so Try that out next time. It's actually pretty. That's uh, actually pretty a really cool. good idea. It really gets you in. Remind the... me. Takes me. Remind me to do that. I'm usually watching like Fortnite compilation videos on the other fucking screen. We're up to like 70 episodes for this show, and uh, once again, the the music is y'all's aspect. It is white. I can't tell you one song in this film. It well, was here's the white thing, noise like, to me. I I love talking about the music and shit, but I also feel like sometimes my my final thoughts it's like i'm in a fucking box and i'm having to check off a goddamn checklist oh, every you. time i talk about it. i'm trying to get away from that yeah. yeah i mean except for the exception of like dream warriors because i still play that around the house so you don't are you just not a fan of orchestral music in general though like could you listen to a soundtrack without well, i guarantee lyrics? if it didn't have any music he would be able to tell it's the fact that you don't really hear it you know that yeah, it's just there true. and it adds to the tension or it adds to the atmosphere and to me, it's a collective unit of acting, directing, the, everything. I don't, I don't dissect the music out of it. I don't sit around the house and listen to classical music. I can't. It, it'll put me to sleep. Definitely, you can feel the emotions of the story through it, especially after you've watched it once. All right, let's step behind the scenes, reveal some deep dive information we may have uncovered here. I will crack the first egg with a note here on the screenplay. Mr. McLean wrote the screenplay for Wolf Creek in 1997. Original screenplay resembled a straightforward slasher film, and he was ultimately displeased with it. So after seeing media on serial killer Ivan Malat, McLean was inspired to rewrite the screenplay. A.K.A. the Backpack Killer killed at least seven tourists in the early 90s. Most infamous uh, serial killer in the history of Australia. Australia. 
Yeah, it's definitely like that's that's like the idea for the entire movie. It seems like you know, like I wonder what the idea was before he brought in the uh, the inspiration of this guy. I think he said it was like a, just a typical slasher movie. It was just a guy like stalking people, Michael Myers style. Some or, or Friday the Thirteenth, something like that. Just something pretty. I mean, what got to be pretty generic eventually. Mick Taylor is pretty. Jason Voorhees ish. Yeah, but I feel like the backpacking aspect of it is kind of what makes him unique, you know? Like he's pursuing people across open road. You really don't get that with like, like Jason's patrolling a camp or Michael's pursuing people through like this town or whatever, you know? You don't ever see him in a yeah. car fucking chasing people. It's very it's very Mad Max in that aspect. Right, yeah. It's very Australian, you know. That's yeah, like there you go. I guess the idea, but everything's so open. That's the thing that's or so freaky about this whole thing. Yeah. The Hills have eyes is another good example. Yeah, everything is so open, but it's still so reclusive, you know, like everything is still far away and it's I don't know. Speaking as a true crime fan in the in the movie, like being inspired um by Ivan Malott and uh Bradley John Murdoch. Um do you feel like you guys, because I'd say you guys are true crime fans as well. Do you think we see we see the killer through like a different spectrum than people that just go to see horror movies just to see horror movies? Just something to do on a Friday night? Yeah, I would say so. Like growing up with like Michael and all those guys, you never really looked at them as pe- at pe- like people. You know, they were just like, oh, this is the, this is the bad guy. But when you get into the true crime, when you get older, you kind of understand like motives and the psychology of it all. I think it definitely changes your perspective of who this person is. It really makes this guy interesting, the yeah. Mick Taylor. It's not just yeah. a boogeyman. It's like, oh, there's real people who do this kind of shit for no good reason. It's oddly, I don't know if this is the correct word to use, but I'm going to use it, relatable. To where like Jason Voorhees is a is fucking cartoon character. Exactly. But Mick Taylor, Mick Taylor might actually be out there walking around. They killed his mama, man. I understand. I understand. Beheaded. He's an alien-looking fucking thing that kills people. I understand. He got that bitch, too. He got her. But yeah, I think definitely if you show this to like a, an up-and-coming cinephile, someone trying to get into horror movies, they wouldn't. And they didn't have like the true crime exposure. It probably doesn't play as true, if that's a, a, a correct word to use here. It's also when I when when we, when we sit down again. This is around episode seventy. The more and more that we watch these films and these low budget horror films, they're just so simple, effective, and easy to make. It's like why was this so complicated? Oh, that's that's, that's horror in general. So, but sometimes like, it gets over complicated. But yes, yeah. But like in these type of movies, not really. Like in terms of in the budget. Type, no, yeah. It's the sequels, and when you start throwing money at it and trying to milk the franchise is when it gets it gets dutier and dutier. It just gets muddier we, over time. That new Exorcist got real complicated. So Yeah. No, <laughs> as we all know, that's a franchise that uh You know his ass didn't dropped that. Like he said he ain't doing any more of those. Oh, did he? I thought he had a trilogy oh, yeah. planned out. Oh no, 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 no. He's done. David Gordon Green. Whoa. He's out. There's no way it didn't turn a profit, though, right? What fucking let's what franchise is he gonna murder next? I got one more note here. Um, talking about Mr. McLean, he said in interviews that he crafted the character of Mick based on archetypal famous Australian exports, like Steve Irwin, combined with darker national figures such as Milot. He said the movie was really about what would it be like 
to be stuck in this incredibly isolated place with the most evil character you can possibly imagine, who is also distinctly Australian. I feel like Australia, especially the Outback, is such a unique location in that aspect, you know. Like this movie, you can't shoot it in, I don't know, the Mojave Desert or something. Well, yeah, you got, like, you got, like, Melbourne, you got Sydney, you got all these, like, cities. Um, and then you start getting into the actual Outback, and you see just how Nothing. fucking desolate this place is. It's the same as, as, as parts of, like, New Mexico and, and Arizona. Oh, no, 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 You go from, like, one side of the country to the other, it's, like... Well, I understand. Diminishing, it's diminishing returns, you know? Like, you uh, here, you got New York on one coast, you got... You know, L.A. on the other coast. It's not the yeah, same for Australia. I thought it was interesting because, again, I always like to try to, to root this show where we're from in the south of North America. Southeastern uh, United States. So I thought it was cool how he was able to incorporate what we would consider a city guy in the backpacker and what we would probably consider a good old boy, if not redneck, in Mick Taylor. And it's very relatable. Yeah, I think there's even like a point of dialogue where the the ladies, their tourists are like, how come you don't sound like him, you know, even though you're both Australian. I'm like, I can definitely understand how that works with being from the southeastern United States and you don't really sound like people in, we don't, in we the northeastern like right part now. of the country. We're pretty neutral guys, but there's definitely people within a one-mile radius of me who do not sound anything like I do. Well, I had to talk myself out of my redneck accent, so I had to, I was thick back in the day, boy. I had to coach it out. Mr. Bruce Campbell, I would love it if you just let me fucking slather your nuts. I tell you what, I would love and love and love. Just walk up with a banjo. That's how you approach everybody down here. Yeah, it's, uh, that's all I have as far as notes. Again, this is independent production, so it's uh, kind of trickier to find those little tidbits that we get on bigger productions on these. You guys got anything else? Let me throw two little fastballs out there. Mm. $1.5 million uh, budget, $35 million return worldwide. Big nice. time, big time. Nice. Much more of a fun uh, fact right here. This movie is included on Roger Ebert's most hated list, along with fan favorites such as Armageddon, Wild Wild West, and a personal favorite of mine, wow. Battlefield Earth. Oh, Damn it, Raj. All right, Those thanks. last two are bad. Man-animal! Man-animal does not think! God, I, I like how Congo wasn't dude. included on that list. Oh. That's good. Maybe maybe Congo didn't get an F. Oh, no, no, this, no, no Congo right. wasn't on there. Trust me. Oh. This was a massive list I saw. It was like 150 Damn. movies. I will never understand that man because that's some. this doesn't make any sense. He's definitely championed some turds, but... I mean, he's he's the face of American film criticism. What else can you do? Uh, that's a sad statement. He looks like that dude from Up. Yeah, he kind of does. What the was grandpa. that actor's, What is that actor's name? We watched a video of him not long ago together. Wait, what the fuck was that? Oh fuck, the guy was jacking off. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> Good God, oh, who knows what I'm what talking is about? Name? Is it the guy who has diabetes? He was doing Santa Claus on Elf, too. I got diabetes. Oh, you're talking about, uh, yeah. That's the guy from Up. What's the guy's name? Damn it. That's the guy from Up. We saw the video. He was jerking off on fucking TV. I'm seeing it in his eye. 
Oh, he's watching. Hootie's pulling up on his phone right now. He's watching it right now. It is. Everybody at home, Ed he's Asner. watching. Hootie is watching Earl Asner right now. It is. Masturbate Asner. on his phone. He's got Ed the video Asner. saved. Y'all want to have a fun night? Look up Ed Asner. Just listen to it. Have, have, have fun. Leave that poor old man alone. Uh, well, he's dead now. So Leave Look up alone. Earl Asner Comes Buckets. I think it's It'll be Ed, on damn videos. it. It is Ed. Uh, oh, Ed, Ed Asner, excuse me. He had a secret had a, life on gay video chats, man. There's nothing, nothing wrong, wrong with that. With that. There's nothing, nothing wrong, wrong with that. Nothing wrong with it. He just sadly got recorded. I didn't want to see Sorry. it, but there's nothing wrong with that. Definitely didn't hide on it. Dick, he comes so fucking hard, he blew out a kidney stone. How about that? Jesus. R.I.P. Uh... <laughs> I had a couple of factoids from watching the YouTube documentary. Uh, one piece here. There had been no rainfall for 10 years in the area where the, where the backpackers parked their car. And it somehow started raining. So they had to go rewrite the script to account for the rain scenes. Uh, and if you can go back and rewatch it. There's a couple of times where there's some odd spots where they acknowledge that it's raining. Uh, but uh, Mechelen said that it helped uh, make the ominous atmosphere a little more. Scared. Omnius, omnius. What did I say? Um, the omnius, omnius. No, no, no. You're right. The omnius atmosphere a little bit <laughs> you're more. You're making ominous. me say the wrong fucking words. <laughs> ominous, damn it. It added to the. How ominous. cool would this movie have been? Right. Had that fucking crater filled up with water, with rainwater. Uh, that'd, that'd be, be fucking awesome. cool if they got yeah, there and it was a lake. That shit that'd that'd be fucking great. How cool is it? It's a real fucking crater. That's. I mean, obviously a real crater. I understand, but it's like. It wasn't any kind of little claymation thing that they just zoomed oh, yeah, out it was, on. Yeah, it was real, yeah. That's cool. It's, uh, I think, I read it was like the second largest asteroid impact like in the world. Yeah, that's funny. Number cool. one being in the great U.S. of A, baby. Obviously, they haven't seen Armageddon. There we go. Our I don't want to close my eyes. <laughs> don't want to fall asleep. Great, fucking, great movie. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking, <laughs> the Ben Affleck over here with the damn graham crackers. The koala bear comes to the watering hole with his chlamydia. Crikey. <laughs> Doesn't he say crikey when he sticks He's the uh, camel water in of fucking vagina. Liv Tyler's belly button? <sighs> we should review down, Armageddon level. That's a little sideshow. Oh, fuck. I would love that. I'll cry every time, man. <laughs> every fucking time. Take All care of my wide... little girl. Oh, God. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> You're correct. Although widely believed that John Jarrett did not bathe during the filming of Wolf Creek, he plays Mick Taylor, Jarrett himself debunked this rumor in 2016 on the Australian show Mornings, stating that the truth was he stopped washing only his arms because he did not want to go through the makeup of applying the tattoos day over day. Well, damn. Go ahead and... In case y'all were wondering. Skunk all over my cool spend half there. the movie covered in blood? He didn't take. Yeah, he didn't take a shot. Fuck when he washes arms. A couple of things there uh, to round us out. One of the two films to th- that received an F on CinemaScore from audiences upon their release in 2005. The other movie was Alone in the Dark. Based on the video game Alone in the Dark. I believe so. Wow. There you go. People did not like this movie. I do not understand why. I'm, I don't think I'm gonna be in that boat. I have to shoot my load too fast here. I'll say it's. It is a pessimistic movie. It is not a quintessential American movie, that's for sure. It's very what high tension, I guess. Right, oh, definitely has oh, the foreign, oh, yes. the foreign downer aspect to it that you don't get in a lot of. You think about our American horror movies, we have a lot of triumphant moments, you know. The movie came out right after Devil's Rejects and like two weeks before um, Hostel. It's a tough spot. 
So at this point, I think a lot of your audiences was inundated with all this like build up for Hostel and like the torture porn and all this other bullshit. Ripping eyeballs. So out. it could have just be uh, this was the odd man out of the three. It's still so pulled down thirty five million dollars though, man. Well, yeah, but I mean, you know how horror people are. Horror people will spend some fucking money to go see some shit. Oh yeah, fucking Terrifier too. But box office sensation. Is, Sure, you Crazy. pay to go see it, but that doesn't mean you gotta like it. And lastly, here one of the one of the most fascinating things about watching the behind the scenes documentary was how much they emphasized the fact that they spent a good portion of money for this small budget film on using early technology with high definition, which is such a wild thought in twenty twenty four. Yeah, I did read that uh, the whole thing was shot in HD. I was like, that's a uh... Like that's a production note. That's a, such a weird thing to think about now, you know. But I guess at the time that was it wasn't necessarily common. The cinematographer came to uh, to the director and was like, "We should shoot in HD. This is going to be the next new thing. HD. It's taking over." Whoa, that is wild to hear. Well, have you ever seen like TV broadcasts from the, around this time? Like you ever see football like a games. replay of an old football game? We're like, that yeah, looked like shit, man. It's so crazy. It Even like crazy. 2008. I was like, this looks like garbage. Yeah. It's wild. Uh, my last note here has nothing to do with the movie, but it does have to do everything with a song. Did you guys listen to C.W. McCall's 1975 hit song, Wolf Creek Pass? No, but interestingly enough, when I was looking up the fucking soundtrack, I did see that as a hit. And I was like, what is this shit? Yes. I skipped right over it. I hope the audience looks that up. See, Devin McCall uh, made his biggest hit was a song called Convoy. Well, I mean, they shouldn't have to look it up. You should give them a sample. Ain't she a beautiful sight? Let me hear that Come Wolf on, Creek. Join our convoy. Yeah, I want to see that. I want to hear that Wolf Creek. I uh, listened to the Wolf Creek so- song uh, one time. I, I, can't, I can't say that I, that I really remember the, the words. Was it good? But, uh, it was not as good as Convoy. I will say that. Damn. Shout Wolf out to Creek, McCall. where the asteroid hits. Wolf Creek, that's where it hit. That's where you get stuck. That's the gist of it. In the in the seventies in country music, there was this whole genre of trucker music, and C.W. McCall was like the trucker song guy. I was driving my truck and I saw the asteroid. <laughs> When we all get on that rusty nail, Jeff. The asteroid, the, the asteroid <laughs> ran off on my dog, or the dog ran off on my asteroid. My dog <laughs> fucked asteroid, my asteroid. The asteroid stole my wife and my dog, and now I got all left is this Vegemite. Hell yeah, brother. Woo-wee. All right, boys, get your backpacks on. we got to get on this airplane and see what's going on down yonder. I, I'm, I'm doing people a service. I'm taking out a few roos. And they're everywhere out here now. <laughs> like tourists. <laughs> Australia, 1999. Two British tourists. Liz, played by Cassandra McGrath. And Christy, played by... Kesti Morassi are backpacking across the country with Ben, played by Nathan Phillips, who you might know from Snakes on a Plane and Chernobyl Diaries, an Australian friend from Sydney. Currently in Western Australia, they stay drunk at wild pool parties and camp out on the beach. 
Ben buys a dilapidated car for their road journey across the Great Northern Highway. All right, Hootie, fuck, Mary, kill, Ben, Christy, Liz, go. Well, we're going to kill Ben. We're going to... Such a cop-out. Well, I mean, it's easy. I'm sorry. You gave me the option. The dude looks just like the guy from 8 Mile. He looks like fucking... uh, Cheddar Bob. fucking Cheddar Bob. So I got to have sex with Cheddar Bob? Ben's ripped, man. I'm good for him. I don't want him. He probably has a delicious penis, is all I'm saying. I'm sure he does. I don't want to taste it. Fucking that Liz chick would be like fucking a skeleton. Well, she's the one that you do it one time, and then you marry Christy, obviously. I mean, it's Christy God I Almighty. think I marry Liz, Christy. dog. Nah, 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 nah. When Christy takes off running at one point in this, and she ain't got a brazier on, you fucking, you, Mary Ann, Mary Ann, fuck. Uh, I think Liz might be a ride or die type. Fuck ben, Joey paused that one and rewound a couple times. <laughs> I think Liz would take care of your ass, though, is all I'm saying. How about that? Make you, make your bangers a match. But yeah, Liz, um, Cassandra McGrath, she was on a single episode of 2010's The Pacific. I don't know if you guys ever seen that. How about that that one episode? (laughs) It's the fair. Was she in more than one scene? (laughs) Look, man, for these actresses, we had to, or female Uh, actors, excuse me, we had to give at least one credit, you know? These are like, these are Australian actors. So it's hard to, you know, it's hard to relate. But a single episode on the failed uh, HBO series, The Pacific. (laughs) What does Christy minute, the, got, Hootie? The Pacific was uh, the second season of. Um, it was the bastard stepchild of Band of Brothers. It's the follow up. Yeah, yeah. It uh, wasn't. I mean, it, was, yeah, it wasn't great, but it was something. It was. Compared in, to what came before. Relative to Band of Brothers. It's very forgettable. Yeah. It was a. Uh, I think it was a flop. I don't even think it was well, forgettable. I think it was, I mean, was not considered a very. Uh, very good. It's like season two. It's like season two of True Detective. The the bar was set too high with season one. It was it was unattainable. This might be oh, the first show to so mention uh, the Pacific in twelve years. So there's that. There you go. Uh, for hey, Christy, it's got your dude in it, man. Uh, Remy Malik. Rami Malik. Yeah, he's one of the one of the guys. Mm. For Christy, played by Kesty Morassi, probably said that last name wrong. She was in Darkness Falls. Classic. And I think two episodes of a of a show I think Joey liked in Wilford. That the Elijah. Oh shit! He was on Wilford with Elijah. Yeah. Oh, I did yeah. like that show. Darkness Falls. She had to have been. Dude. That's the Tooth Fairy one, right? That's a horror about Tooth Fairy. Yeah. Uh, that's probably around the same time too, isn't it? Yeah. Ben seems to be the most uh, successful of these three actors, but I didn't recognize him. In all honesty. Did we ever watch Chernobyl Diaries? I did. I, I watched it in theaters. I remember us watching that shit in theaters. He was in that. Jesse McCartney was in that as well. I don't think I've seen it. Sora! No! Kyrie! You'll never take Kyrie's heart! Uh, that's Haley Joe Osmond doing a voice no, for that's, Kingdom Hearts. No, it's not. It's fucking... It's he the, played Roxas. He was not Sora. Sora Wait, was who? Haley Joe Osmond. Really? Yes. Don't get this. Uh, We're not going to get into Kingdom Hearts lore right here right now. What was that? what was I watching? Uh, something in the uh, what we do in the shadows had Haley Jasmine on it. Oh yeah, he's uh, Topher. Yeah, he's he's aged uh, a lot differently than I thought he was well, going to. He's a grown ass man now. He's yeah, it's weird seeing him as a grown ass. I'm re I'm rewatching the boys, and he's on. He's in a few episodes of the boys. Yeah, and he actually plays a child actor or the adult version of a child actor. Who's trying to reattain, re- reobtain his success as a you know, as a child actor? And I just after rewatching this fucking show numerous times, I finally just pieced it together 
that that casting for that role it's meta, was like baby. It's yeah, so he's, good. He's funny, honestly. I think he does. He makes fun of himself a lot. He does the same thing in what we do in the shadows. He was very good at it. Yeah. I just love when he says Tofa. Tofa. Have you guys seen seen the porn version of uh, the Sixth Sense? There's a porn version of the called the Seventh Sense. That sounds bad. What the That's fuck is that about? On. Having sex with yeah, a ghost? You guys need to Google that. I'm good. No, I just made that up. Oh, okay, good. I hope. I hope That'd that's be pretty true. funny, though. The seventh sense. My cock can see fucking people's pussies. All right, all right. Anyway, back to these wild pool parties we were talking about. See, this has this features the topless scene where Liz just decides to tease us with a little bit of skin action and hops back into the ocean. One of those weird scenes that really doesn't make much sense. This is how the behind-the-scenes documentary starts, which I've also found kind of weird. They're trying to hook you, I guess. Yeah, well, it's like the, yeah. The movie was shot chron- chronologically, so this would be one of the first scenes filmed. It opens with like Liz walking into the ocean. And the, the guy goes, "Yeah, we're here on the on the set of Wolf Creek. We're here on the set of Wolf Creek. I love this, <laughs> this fucking the, job. This is the day we this is the day we picked to start this. Have you ever seen any juicier titties? Jesus Christ, the, the, man! The way this thing starts, did you guys have the sense we was like in for a love triangle situation or what? Yeah, and this is a uh, this is a point of yeah, contention that. here. Did you depends on which cut you watched as to what you? Oh, saw I got here. the unrated big boy. I did as well. You know, Daddy got the unrated. Hootie, did you what get a that? scene featuring Christy waking up in the bed with Mister Ben? And she like re- looks for a toothbrush. Yeah, yeah. So you got yeah. that scene too. Yeah. So the implication yes. is she fucked him the night before, right? No. Yes, it is. You got that? No. Yes. She woke. She woke up with her fucking head facing his feet. Yeah, they were sucking toes. What's wrong with that, man? Sucking nah, toes, boy. I, That's what no, you do post-codis. I don't believe that was the implication. Definitely. I, I'll give you a, a point later on that that definitely is what happened. But we'll get I don't want to be there. sucking toes after a damn house party. That sounds nasty. But yeah, from what I understand, the whole love triangle didn't test well, so they pulled it out of the theatrical release. It's available in the uh, uncut that we saw. Threesome hit the road, and after stopping at a roadside shit-kicker gas station... The trio make for Wolf Creek National Park, which contains a giant crater formed by a meteorite. While exploring the crater, Ben and Liz kiss. Upon returning to their car, the group discovers their watches have all broken and that their car will not start. All right, let's let's back it up to uh, Emu Emu Creek right here, where we kind of meet. Would we call these these characters like typical harbingers? The shit kicker gas station boys. Yeah. Who like pretty much call him a cuck and buck up on him while he's chilling. Like these, at the are gas what, these are what the audience is kind of taught to be perceived as like the threat. The red herring. Yeah. These are the possible antagonists of the movie. This guy, this giant guy named Baza, he's like six foot six. Like in real life, he was like an ex professional wrestler. Um he <laughs> He kind of uh, bucks up on uh, on our boy here on Ben, Ben five foot ten, on a five foot ten with fucking like with like six inch fucking stilettos on. Um, but yeah, the, these is like some rough rough uh, boys from down under. I understand it's a low budget, and I get why this scene is in the film. But at this petrol station, as they are called in Australia, petrol. Uh, at the petrol station in the middle of nowhere where the, the clerk, it looks like a very nice man. He's well-dressed. And then you got 
four or five good old boys at a random table inside of the gas station, and the gas station doesn't look like it has a grill attached. So what are they doing inside of the gas station? Well, I think it's a bar. Yeah, it's, it's like a, a bar. Yeah, I think it's a bar. Oh, They're getting okay. shit-faced. I think it's a hotel. Or, or what's the small one? You call it a motel, right? Jesus. Okay. I think this yeah. is like a motel slash last stop slash bar. You take the hoe to the motel. That's how I always remembered it. Uh-huh. How about that? Well, that's good. That's good for the ladies. You take your mom to the hotel. You take your hoe to the motel. That's how I always You think about that. it. As right. shitty as this place looked, it probably gets a lot of foot traffic. It's like the last stop foot before traffic? you get to, the, to, to Wolf Creek Crater. Who the fuck is walking through here, man? Foot traffic, No, Chris. foot traffic, as in, like, people coming in and out. Just Pizza. jogging. Just going for my fucking morning coffee and a jog. I'll take an icy cold Foster's out in the middle of nowhere. This place, man, it's just, these types of places in movies are always so fucking depressing. I think about, like, the beginning of The Hills Have Eyes. Like, it makes me, like, nauseous to imagine, like, being in these places, you know? See, that's, that's the type of shit that made, made me think it's, like, the Harbinger type, you know, like, stereotype. The precursor for yeah, doom. Kind of, It's kind of tropey, because if you think about, they even made it a trope in Cabin in, in the Woods. They stopped it's always at the a gas, gas station, station, man. Always. Yeah. Cabin Fever, they stop at the weird gas station to buy our house. Shout out our boy Brad Dorf <laughs> at the beginning of Urban Legends. He's the fucking gas station clerk. There's someone in the back seat. Remember that shit? <laughs> God, he's such a good actor, man. He's Holy fucking shit. great. Love that guy. But yeah, so I think we kind of get the impression that this dude is like a stand-in for Mick almost later on because they look kind of similar too and it makes a point of showing the fact this guy's missing a tooth I guess to kind of differentiate him well what I'm what I'm thinking is it kind of sets it kind of sets you up to be taken off guard by the potential by the eventual protagonist just by the way they by the way they carry themselves and interact with the three leads that's a good point yeah because as we'll see pretty soon, the most charismatic motherfucker in the movie oh, is about to make himself known. My God. He's good. just waiting. He's just in the batter's box getting warmed up. But yeah, so we made it to the crater. It's beautiful, beautifully shot. Scenery is awesome there. Um, he's like Hootie was saying, it starts to rain there, which makes more sense now, knowing that it hadn't done so in 10 years while they focused on it so much. Because I think the characters even say, like, oh, we weren't expecting this. And I thought it was kind of weird that they vocalized that in the movie. Well, they they did rewrites. Like they did rewrites here just to like make it make sense. Yeah. Where Ben opens the trunk and he it's a very awkward line. He goes, "What's up with this all with this rain?" And I was like, "That's a weird line." Okay. See, all right, you say it's a weird line. I say it's a natural line. For for him to be a resident of Australia and it not have rained for like 10 years in this area. I feel like that's something a person would say who like somebody who lives there would say that. But then also at the gas station we get the dialogue where Christy's pretty much telling Ben, like, I think Liz really likes you. You should give her a chance. So then they make out over the crater. It's a beautiful moment. But then when they get back to the car, this is what I was trying to highlight earlier. And they're inspecting like the fact that the battery's dead. Like Ben says to Christy. And he's like he's like they exchange a glance and she's like, I think she knows. You know, I thought, oh, she's known that they fucked, you know. That's kind of what I took out of it. Speaking of this moment you're talking about where the battery's dead, or the battery's not dead, but the car's mysteriously not working as well as their watches. They have, I don't know, it's like a six-minute conversation earlier in the movie around a campfire 
talking about extraterrestrials and aliens and shit. Aliens. And that the, to mention that scene, it was actually like a one-take, continuous shot scene. It was actually really nice. So, all right, suspend your ideas at this point where you know this is not going to be a sci-fi horror movie or any of this bullshit. All right, your watch isn't working. The car isn't working. Eventually, you have a mysterious light coming towards you in the car, in the complete dark. For a second, would you believe it's like an alien movie? Oh, definitely. I thought about um, like if you're close at a fucking encounters. meteor impact. You know what I mean? Like a close encounters when they, they the it hovers over his truck, his radio and shit goes out, and the car is like flickering. I definitely thought like this is the kind of place this shit would happen. You know, in the middle of nowhere, like fucking Roswell. Yeah, stuff. right next to a fucking meteorite, you know? Yeah. Or well, the remains of a meteorite, anyway. Right for fucking raddits to come crawling over the damn edge of the meteorite. Fucking straight up Saiyan, baby. Son of Gormku. What was his name? Where's Kakarot? Kakarot. Gormku. Bardock, that's the dad. <laughs> I know I'm getting a little nitpicky here, but, you know, what's why we have a podcast. The car makes zero noise when they try to crank it. Zero, nothing. Not even a click, not even a nothing. No spark. The battery would have been taken out of the car if that was the case. Like, you at least get some kind of a noise when you turn the key. Unless something mechanically is, like, severed, I guess. I don't know. Severed. Yeah, we're talking taken out of the car. (laughs) Somebody slid up under there with some pliers. Which I guess Mick probably did. There is a point we kind of, I don't know if we're going to talk about it, because it's like a flash in the movie later on. Where we realize the actual antagonist of the movie has been stalking these three all along. And I'm wondering if at the at opportune time earlier in the movie, if he sabotaged the car somehow. That doesn't explain the why. I, mean, I guess it would make sense because they're able to drive it from the gas station yeah. all the way to the fucking crater and it works fine. Maybe he put like an EMP grenade like timed under there <laughs> that he could detonate remotely. Because the watches, that doesn't explain the watches stopping at the same time. Yeah, the watch that, none of that shit sense. makes like it doesn't really make sense. I'm thinking it's like like an EMP, thing, some right? sort of magnetism from yeah. the fucking meteorite or something. Exactly. That's what made me think it was like could have been some alien bullshit. But I can tell you, boys, that if we are ever, ever in the middle of the Australian outback and we're at a crater in the middle of the night and our car is broken down and another car drives up to us, we will not be friendly. Okay. Oh yeah, if I'm out anywhere like that, I might have a gun on me regardless. Like, uh, no, sir. I need no help. No help at all. You're bringing in variables, though. Put yourself in Ben's position here. By yourself with two if women. If I'm in Ben's position, first of no all, weapons. we ain't left the fucking bedroom because you got two of them lined up who both want to fucking suck. Because we make all love. night long. How about that? Joey, such a gentleman. Such a what gentleman. are we doing? I'm here to procreate, girl. Who gives a shit about driving to or like Eastern Australia? Uh, 2005, bitch, we had Google. You can Google this shit. <laughs> I get that, okay, let me just break this down. I get that they're on a road trip and they're trying to make it enjoyable, but why did they stop at this crater and why did they spend a fucking half a day here? Well, they're on their way, early in the movie we find out they're on their way home. They're on the way, like, back to the town that holds their, the airport where they're, you know, so this is like a place they're going to stop on their way. Okay. Like, this is the tail end of the vacation for the part of their... Because the girls okay. are from England. Okay. They're like, or what? Right. right they're like, right. they're English or Brits or some shit, right? Yeah, they're both British. So they're, you're, they're on their way home. 
So this is like one of those last things of, man, I'm about to not see these people anymore because he's he's you know a native of Australia. They're so probably I, on we holiday. Want to take advantage of this and, and have as many experiences as we can on the way back. So. Unable to solve the problem, they prepare to sit out the night. After darkness falls, a rural man named Mick Taylor, played by John Jarrett. Jarrett? I don't know how you say that in Australia. I think it's I think Jarrett. 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 You may know from Django Unchained. Comes across them and offers to tow them to his camp to repair the car. Initially hesitant, the group allows Mick to take them to his place, an abandoned mining site several hours south of Wolf Creek. I got a uh, note here about the character he plays. He's a member of the uh, LaQuint Dickey Mining Company, which happens to consist of uh, <laughs> of fellow Australian in this moment, Quentin Tarantino. Quentin. Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> He's trying to put on an Australian accent, right? And Django. And, uh, yeah. and Django's trying to talk to him. He says, Shut up, Black. You ain't got nothing to say I want to hear. It's Hearing Quentin Tarantino's Australian accent makes me feel better about mine. It's, <laughs> it's fucking god awful. You think about the fact that he went to Hollywood to be an actor, not a writer, not a director. He went there to be an actor. That's crazy, right? Another cool little fact here I didn't really uh, throw in here. This is apparently one of Quentin Tarantino's favorite horror movies. Oh, I don't doubt that at all. I mean, he used the guy in Django three years after this. so He's probably like, oh, that was fucking great. Let me get that guy in here, and he'll teach me how to do my Australian accent perfectly. I have two notes on John Jarrett because this this dude fucking was awesome. I'm a big fan now. Uh, after watching this film, uh, he was strongly considered for the role of stuntman Mike in Quentin Tarantino's Death Proof. But due to Grindhouse co-director Robert Rodriguez's urging, he cast Kurt Russell instead. All right, I right do like choice. this. I like, I like this John Gerard guy. Gerard. I do, but I like him. I love Kurt Russell. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't like him? Yeah, it's a tough, it's a tough, yeah. Yeah, if you're going to uh, lose out to anybody, Kurt's, that's your tip of the cap there. I can't do this justice as a show, uh, just how all this uh, unraveled. But again, go on YouTube. There is an Australian 60 Minutes episode about Mr. Jarrett, who was accused of raping a woman in the 1970s. Hold on. In the 1970s. It went to trial. This is an entire hour-long 60 Minutes documentary. He was found not guilty in a court of law. Never happened. And he, he's, his reputation got tarnished. But. Bring on fucking Wolf Creek 3, baby! Yeah, go. I did uh, just look at him up, saw that he had like a big gap in his acting career, I think even after Wolf Creek, due to like some of the ramifications of all that stuff, getting all that cleared up again. It's just crazy how much that shit sticks to people, you know? Like I always point to that Duke lacrosse case. People just fucking yeah. remember the headlines, and that's it. That's true. I... Another piece of, of this man, which is fascinating, was apparently him and his ex-wife had a gardening show or a home remodeling show in Australia in the 90s that ran for uh, multiple seasons. Oh, God, this dude seems... And then, and then that guy became Mick Taylor. Yeah, it's hard to imagine him being like Steve Irwin, you know? Like a good yeah, guy. Bo- it's like Bob Vila in the Outback killing people. Imagine this dude, he's out there just rubbing his dick against a sycamore tree or something. 
Here's how you make it. Here's how you make it grow real fucking quick. How uncomfortable was uh, meeting him when he pulled up there? Not uncomfortable at all. I literally have a note here. Dude has what we call backwoods charm. Yeah, he, re- he Chris, really. Chris, you met does. Mark from the from the shop. Yeah, yeah. That that's what you call country charm. Yeah, it's definitely like. You don't know the guy, but after talking to him for two or three minutes, you feel like you've known the guy all your life. It's like he's got his hand on your shoulder in conversation even when he doesn't, you know. Magnetic-type personality. Very alluring. Very disarming. Disarming is probably the most important um, descriptor of this guy. But, yeah, the fact that... uh, Have we got to the point where they actually agree to go back with him? Yeah, they uh, saddle up and get towed back. So they didn't even... All right, I understand they're in a, they're in a bad situation. There, there's no cars coming. You're literally at a dead end road. It's either go with this guy, or spend the night here in hopes somebody comes tomorrow morning. But they don't even think for a fucking second to ask him or ask themselves, why is this guy here at this crater in the middle of the fucking night? Yeah, it seems pretty obvious. Well, didn't he say, like, he's uh, some type of ranger or some shit where he's out scouting for no, he doesn't stray say cars shit. or something? I thought he, he mentioned does. something No, not like at all. That. I rewatched it just to, just to, like, he said it started raining, so I was packing it in. But he doesn't really say what he did as a job, because eventually they ask him what he does as a job. And he kind of deflects. Oh, does he go in? Oh, he's, Hoodie's going to have a quote then. I was saying, was like, Ooh, I, we I have like a scene this. there. Um, but, yeah, he's here. There's no reason to be here. It's a dead end road. So you're telling me never to trust the hospitality of strangers when I'm in I mean, a He's obviously situation. not a fucking astronomer or nothing, you know? I enjoyed the bit of dialogue when the girls convince Ben to go talk to him about maybe driving them to the city. And and uh, Mick goes, well, the city's north, I'm, and I'm going south. It's a bit of a bugger. I understand. It's a bit of a bugger. Yeah. He lays it on straight. Awesome. And this but Ben, dude, Ben is like so... <laughs> trying to be, like, the man in the situation, but he's just so bad at it. Dude, when he's, like, he's when he talks about, yeah, I'm from Australia, too. Where are you from? Sydney. He's, he calls it the Poofta capital Ooh, never of been. Australia. What is a Poofta? Uh, gay. Uh, like a fairy is how oh, it is. He's gay. Okay. I mean, he's just joking. He's just, you know, being jovial. What you call oh, jocular. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure Mick Taylor is no, just no, joking. No. This dude is xenophobic <laughs> out the fucking ass. I'm sure he's just joking. The, real, the fact that these women are tourists, I don't think he appreciates that either. All right, back at the camp, Mick regales them with tall stories of his past while showing, making a show of fixing their car. He unsettles Liz and Christy, although Ben seems less concerned. While they sit around a fire, Mick gives the tourists some drugged water, which eventually causes them to fall unconscious. Rainwater from the top of the mountain. Nothing like water from the top. I think is how you put it, right? Yeah, I didn't pick up a, on that. Uh, he's sipping. He's sipping some fucking. Uh, he's sipping some Fosters out of a bottle. Fosters. Yeah, I had to rewind yeah. that because I was like, "Why do they all just go to sleep?" And then I realized it was two different separate bottles. Well, it's not. It's the thing. It's not like an abrupt sleep. It's almost like a from a viewer and seeing what they've gone through throughout the night. You can kind of understand why they're all sleepy. Yeah, it makes sense. But it is super weird they're falling asleep while somebody's working on their car and a stranger's home or a stranger's, you know, camp. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely like a weird setup. They're all sitting there at the fire 
and like he's supposed to be working on the car, but they're just like talking, and no one's like encouraging him to go work on the fucking car so we can get the fuck out of here, you know. I get that there there are a lot of poisons and such out there, but to spike water is aggressive. <laughs> yeah, this dude definitely like, has. Like that said, those tall tales he's talking about, like what he's done as far as like killing kangaroos and all kinds of random ass shit. This dude's like a backwoods badass, so he's definitely yeah. like perfected the art of killing. Yeah, he takes care of vermin. He's a, uh, I guess, pest control is what you would call it. Not really a hunter. I mean, yeah, he's shooting animals, but he's more of like pest control. But then he talks about how when you kill boars. That you actually have to get up on them with dogs and, and Fuck, a knife. Yeah. Oh, you gotta get real fucking close for that one, yeah. This was the scene of the film for me. I I watched this scene at least three times. His face is crazy in the firelight because his expressions—it's like three different people he's playing at the same time. You know, he's like the cheery guy, then he's just doing the look. It's, to your point earlier about where you guys unsettled when he drives up to to the crater. I was very unsettled when he just stops and stares at Ben. That made me like, okay, that's yeah. that's a little too much for me. It was like he had a different face. It was not the same, not the same person anymore. But I think they even ask him in this moment, like, "What do you do for a living?" And that's when he hits him with, uh, "If I tell you, I'd have to kill you." Uh, and he has that goofy ass laugh. <laughs> See, the laugh is what, in my opinion, is the most unsettling. It's very natural. Like you could tell he's. This dude is feeling it like he is in character. Unless he really talks like that, it definitely seemed like. Well, I read he practiced not that laugh for all. like months on end to try and like get it to sound just right, like just maniacal enough. Yeah, reminds me of like the Joker laugh from uh, Dark Knight. Like it's so specific, but it seems like it's not being put on at all. Reminds me of the Joker laugh from Suicide Squad. What have we uh, here? I don't remember that one. You're my friend. I fucking love that shit, dude. I had a note here about the uh, the rock quarry itself. It said, uh, the rock quarry where Mick's mining site is located was the site of a real-life murder, which stirred up controversy from local residents who thought the film was being based on that crime. Whoa, that's haunting. Yeah. Savage as fuck down in Australia. Especially considering how this movie plays out. Fair dinkum. Fair dinkum. Yeah, I heard them use that expression a few times. What the hell is that? Like a it's a common expression perf- in Australia. What the hell does it mean? Uh, I guess it means it's kind of the same shit where people around here have got to, to have started saying like uh, true and real. True that. I think it's like a true that type deal. I think it means like fair point. You know what I mean? Somebody hit me with one the other day. It threw me off guard. Facts. Have you seen this shit? People do that? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I said something, and they were like, but no, no, it was the way it was said. It was weird. Well, I was speaking. It was like facts. facts. Well, it says that they say it in a passive manner. Keep it in, keeping it. We should, we should bring back keeping it facts, 100. Facts. Keep it in the 100. They're going to put you in a fucking nursing home. You fucking say it to somebody. <laughs> Your ass going to be eating goddamn oatmeal and fucking soggy-ass grapes. Give it 100. <laughs> he would be chewing food uh, food for you and spitting in your mouth. I'm just giving it 100 now. Liz wakes up the next afternoon tied up in a shed. She breaks free at night 
and discovers Mick torturing Christy in a garage. Liz sets a car on fire to distract Mick, rescues Christy, and shoots Mick in the neck, seemingly killing him. Seemingly killing him. However, seemingly. That was a instead hell of a flesh of, uh, Instead of performing a coup de gras, she decides to uh, go another route and hits him gingerly a couple of times with the rifle. Yeah, I can't tell if this was shot weird or if she was just, if that's how she was intending to act. But it looked like there was no force in any of that. In my opinion, this is where, this is like the second stupid thing they do in a series of stupid things as, you know, um, uh, slasher survivors or slasher victims. Yeah, the the room we see from the panning camera at one point is wall-to-wall Guns, crossbows, fucking hatchets, spikes. I think I saw a fucking throwing star in there somewhere. Yeah, I think so. And this bitch hits him a couple times with a fucking twenty-two. Dude's got a fucking Bowie knife on his hip. There were so many options to just like save, save lives, and just kill the kill the thought of a sequel right here in this moment. She failed. To the point I was going to make earlier, this is a, a clear sign. In Australia, uh, for the most part, guns are illegal. But you can still get hunting rifles because you can still hunt, apparently, kangaroos, according to this man. Um, so that's why all of his guns are like bolt action, you know, nothing crazy. He's got no no semi-automatics. This guy had everything that was legal, though, to Joey's point. Yeah, ain't nobody going to sneak into my house and rub their crotch against my face without my permission. I uh, I really enjoyed this scene with him. He, he 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 had taken his flannel off. He was showing his tank top. He was all sweaty. Man, grease back the hair. The fucking faces and shit he was making right here was so. You know what it put me in mind of? It put me in mind of Michael Madsen from Reservoir Dogs. Oh yeah, I could kind of see that in a way. He was definitely getting playful. It's night and day seeing him flip the switch from being you know this charismatic uh, outback you know, helper guy to being a psychotic serial killer. But you can still see the charm in both. I don't know. I was pretty disturbed in this scene because there's like an allusion to what he's done to other women. I think we even see like part of a corpse over in the corner. And when you start getting like the sexual assault stuff, dude, it's just the next level of gross. Well, here's the thing. When I earlier talked, when I earlier and I talked about the true crime stuff, us having experience, like listening to podcasts, doing research, and you know, just being being exposed to you know the world of the ser- of, of serial killers in general, the movie doesn't go very far in terms of showing what the killer actually does. It kind of leads it up to the viewer and their imagination to figure out what he's done and what he's capable of and what's happening this what's happened right before this moment. So if you're if you're kind of like, I guess pure-hearted and you ain't really seen very much anything, and you see this scene, you're thinking one thing. And if you've heard about fucking Ted Bundy and John Wayne Gacy and all these other people, you're probably thinking something else. So you're saying I'm sick because I see so much sickness in this scene. Well, I think I think that's like really a really a brilliant part of this movie is the director did this purposefully. I would say I was in the camp that I didn't think any of the John Wayne Gacy stuff happened. What do you mean? I, I mean, I didn't see it happen, so in my mind, it just didn't happen. Oh, out of sight, out of mind. That's what you're telling me. Out of sight, out of mind, my man. 
He even makes comments as he's like dancing with his knife and approaching her body about how I always got to wear rubbers with you lot. Never know where the fuck you've been. All right, yeah, see, but, he, super but he never did it. Say, that shit just right, makes me cringe, man. At the same man. time, it's just, that's such a good line. That, that was a very good line. makes my teeth unsettled, you know. And again, like Joey was saying, we know like everything true crime, if you listen to any podcast about true crime, about motivations and um, like the actual actions of what they're doing, it's almost always sexually motivated. And you don't get that in horror movies a lot, like fucking Jason Voorhees, Michael Myers. It's just people are stalking you, stab, stab. That's like that's their ultimate goal. And this is almost too real shit that makes me personally nauseous, because this is what real sick fuckers do, man. What is Jason after? He had an Oedipus complex, and if if all he had, if he just fucked his mom one time, he would have been like totally fine. How about that? Totally fine. Jason just wanted to be breastfed, man. The women try to escape in Mick's truck, but Mick, injured, shoots at them with a double-barrel shotgun. Despite the chase, they manage to roll Mick's truck off a cliff, hide briefly, and then head back to the mining site for another car. Liz instructs Christy to escape on foot if she doesn't return in five minutes, leaving her outside the gates. Was Liz's intent right here to go back to the camp and they she wanted to get a car? So they can, you know, yeah. drive away. Because, you know, running around in the outback, that's kind of in a death sentence in itself. Yeah. yeah. But did we think she was also wanting to look for Ben in this moment? Because she's, kind of, she's kind of portraying the role of heroine right here, right? Yeah. But they never bring up Ben. Yeah, I think the, impl- the implication is if she didn't see him, she didn't hear him screaming, she assumed he was dead. Because she had the opportunity when she first escaped to leave the scene. Until she heard Christy screaming. And that's the only reason she hesitated. I don't know. She's the hero here. She's who we should be identifying with if we're if we are decent people putting ourselves in the movie. But yeah, what'd you think about him busting out the double barrel? Got his neck all wrapped up. Fucking slaying. I'm thinking she had the opportunity to grab a double barrel fucking shotgun and use it on his ass and she didn't. I know, man. It's so easy to use the shotgun. Dude's got fucking bear traps laying around. Take a bear trap and throw it on his fucking head, bitch. What Drop it on his head. <laughs> yep. Classic. Saw style, baby. Classic. I just it just is really it really uh chaps my asshole. Mm. You're in this situation. Alright, sure, you're scared and everything, but you've already shot him. He's down for the count. I mean, you could do anything to this guy laying on the ground and you hit him with a fucking gun. I'm still I'm still harping on that. But uh it just kind of falls into that whole trope of, all right, the killer's dead, leave him alone. And I hate that. And maybe that's a point because when she goes back to get the keys for the truck, she's very cautious about touching him. So maybe she just couldn't find it in her in her soul to kill somebody. She knew somebody. he wasn't it's dead. It's a lot to kill somebody. Yeah. That takes a special kind of person. But yeah, she's literally watching the guy like violate her friend. You don't yeah, think I'm, I'm not saying that it's... Like, yeah. You are forgetting about the drive, corpse in the corner. Kill somebody, you know? Yeah, the corpse in the corner. Because Christy that's even says, like, that woman had been here for months. And I guess the implication was he killed her in front of Christy. What the so fuck she could did take he her said, spot. He said she was so good to him until she lost her head. And the bitch ain't got a fucking head. The corpse's head is gone. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's... The implication here is he chopped her fucking head off. It's right there on point, though. I feel like all morality is out the fucking window when you're dealing with somebody like that. 
This dude is next fucking level nuts. Wait a minute. That woman was alive when Christie was in there? Yes. She took I her spot. Put that together. Yeah. Because it was like, what, 12 hours before Liz even woke up. And it took her until dark just to get out of her damn chains. Her I thought binding. the body was like heavily mutilated. I it, was. it was. Too. I didn't think she was alive. I thought she was gone. That's what Christy said. She'd been alive. She'd been there for months when they got See, there. See, I thought this is why he was out hunting in the first place because he didn't have anybody to... He needed something new. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Fucking disgusting. What have you been that girl? Beanie Weenie's tied up like that for months. Y'all mm. making me sick. I'm moving on. Vegemite, baby. Veggie. It's cheap. Liz finds Nick's garage with a collection of cars and travelers' belongings, including video cameras. Shockingly, she discovers footage of Nick supposedly rescuing stranded travelers at Wolf Creek. Watching Ben's footage, she realizes Mick has been following them well before reaching Wolf Creek. Dun-dun-dun. Yeah, the wall is literally covered with, like, passports, IDs, photos, all sorts of shit showing he's been doing this for, like, a long time. Yeah, it's his whole spank bank up on the wall. I didn't like... I. Was it too convenient, the videos? The video was too convenient. The fact that it panned to his truck was extremely convenient. This is a very convenient sequence. Yeah, so I guess we're implying he stalks people from this gas station. Is that what you were saying earlier, Joy? You thought he might have did some sabotage? I think, I don't know, I have not seen the, the sequels, but in my opinion, there's probably some correlation between the people at the gas station. I mean, it, it might not be that, but it, it definitely has the capacity for something like that. Like, it's like a, uh, hey, he's got a new one down in his place. Let's head that way. You know what I mean? Well, you don't really see it because you don't really know to look for it. But I, I rewound the movie back to the scene where he's filming himself at the gas station. You see the truck. Oh, Clear really? Day. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's just one of those things you don't really know to look for it. Yeah, I'd not get pretty cool. So was the gas station attendant in on it? Because he was way too. See, we don't know because because of the way the movie ends, which I actually really like. This is like a TCM homage, obviously, with just the setup and the way it all plays out. So I could see it being like an extension of that, where it's a family. My family's always been in meat type of situation. So I guess we'll see. TCM for the less educated is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. Head cheese. Yeah, yeah, head cheese, baby. Liz gets into a car and attempts to start it, but Mick stabs her through the driver's seat with a very large knife. After more banter, he hacks three of Liz's fingers off in one swipe. Jeez, he then boy. severs her spinal cord, paralyzing her and rendering her a quote-unquote head on a stick. He interrogates her as to Christie's whereabouts. This was fucking brutal too, man. The way he pops out of the back seat is fucking dope. <clears throat> like he literally like just lurches forward and you can see the silhouette of his face. Oh, it's so good. It reminded me a lot of Annie's death in Halloween, where Michael does that like sudden jerk up. He's like, mm-hmm. Boo, motherfucker. Now Chris, you didn't got me my feelings, so that means that he severed her spinal cord, making her a popsicle or whatever the hell he said. Head on a stick. Yeah. That's Head on a stick. Rough, man. She's paralyzed, dog. He's going to train her up for like the next three months. Yeah. That's tough. That's I mean, tough. We, I mean I'll, I'll go ahead and do a spoiler alert here, but we don't see her again. So She's yeah. still alive. The last, last time we've seen her, at least. 
Now, now I'm unsettled. Okay. Yeah, man, it's fucking rough. She tries to defend herself when she uh, right before her hand gets hocked off, hacked off, with a Swiss Army knife she finds in the traveler's belongings, which belongs to Ben. Yeah, so she knows Ben is you know, Ben's around there somewhere. Ben's still alive. She, she takes out the knife. He pulls out his Bowie knife, and harkens back to something Ben said earlier. Ah, oh, fuck. Like your friend said, that's not a knife. This is a knife. And fucking one fell swoop. Chops his bitch's three fingers off. Little sausages on like rolling on the ground. Mm, that was so fucking knife. cool, man. That shit's not even a chop. It is a slice, dude. That's samurai sword level shit. It's because you watch it, right? And you watch what he's doing. What he does to her seems so um Disgusting. It's so no well, yeah, sure, disgusting, but mundane. Simple. Yeah, simple. Mundane, simple. Like, like him handling a boar, like Literally, he was talking he, about earlier. He, you watch him stick it in her back, and you hear the sound of like cartilage and bone, just like not really snapping, but being like severed. And you see her eyes widen, and she just drops to the ground. I hate to give something credit for some shit like this, but I didn't see this ha- this happening that way in that moment. So, oh yeah, with her being kind of given the heroin roll. Yeah, I didn't think it yeah. would be done so quick, but fuck, it was. She gone. At dawn, Barefoot Christie is discovered on a highway by a passing motorist who is then fatally shot by Mick. Mick chases Christie, leading to a confrontation where she runs him off the road, but he shoots out her tire, causing her car to flip. Despite surviving the crash, Christie is shot and killed by Mick. He places her and the dead motorist in the wrecked car, sets it on fire, and drives away. Another nauseating fucking kill, man. Just walking up to her like that. This kills like a direct, not homage, but this is, I guess, the mo modus. What what the fuck is modus operandi? What is that? That's someone's method of doing something. Usually, like uh, this. This was the mo of the backpack killer. He would literally like just use people for target practice. Just shoot them from long range and come and finish them off close. Yeah. I took this scene, and I, you know, I hate to harken back to this film. But Terrifier, when Art has to use the gun because it's his last option. This felt like he just didn't want to do this. Like, it was like, okay, I'm tired of chasing this girl around the outback. I'm just going to go ahead and shoot her and get this thing over it's with. It's like, ah, fucking long. It's like when you're playing Madden and you're, like, really losing. And you're like, ah, let me just bump it to rookie for one quarter to get back in there the game. There you go. Make yourself feel better. All right, now we're good. Now we're good. If he sees his victims as possessions, I think he obviously wanted um, – wanted Christy as his possession and not Liz. He chose her between the two, obviously. He he had her back home and I guess it's you can't really have two. I guess you could have two, but um It's gross. How many the way the way he, the look on his have? face, it's almost like as Hootie said, like the look on his face, it's almost like he's remorseful he had to end it that way. Cause he would rather have Christy as opposed to Liz. I hated the way that it happened because, like, he walks up to her after she's been wounded. And he's like, you're saying, he's, like, callous to it, just putting down an animal at that point. It's just so dehumanizing, man. It just made me fucking You notice he shot her, like, twice, sick, right? Dude. Yeah. Liz needs to take some lessons. And this poor fucking motorist, Ed Asner, I'm not sure who it was, and we're going to call him Ed Asner, but poor old dude just stopping to help a chick out, Texas Chainsaw Massacre style. He offered to give a chick a ride running down the highway. He scoped him in his eyeball. Yeah. Well, it's such a gun Sick thing, ass too. Sick-ass shot, man. 
he shot the first time, and he he hit a thermos that the guy had put on top of the car. Just to fuck and with the him. guy notices it, and he looks over, and it's almost like he's trying to get his almost, attention. It's a, well, no, it's almost like Mick at that point adjusted his scope because it wasn't zeroed <laughs> oh, in and zeroed in just enough to fucking headshot the guy. He plays a lot of Call of Duty. Lots. After all this has gone down, cut to our boy Ben, who wakes up nailed to a mock crucifix in a mine shaft. He escapes to the outback, but succumbs to dehydration. Two tourists find him, leading to his rescue and hospitalization. Title cards reveal Christy and Liz's bodies were never found, despite police searches. Early investigations were hindered by disorganization and Ben's questionable credibility. After four months in custody, Ben is cleared, and the film concludes with Mick walking into the sunset with his rifle. I love the clicking, the clacking while he's walking with his rifle. That's such a cool sound. Like he's fucking what John What he had Wayne. planned for Ben was pretty fucking savage, too. I, what was the plan for Ben? Just to leave him there? Had, had Ben nailed to a board like Christ crucified. Yeah. Right next to another guy who suffered the same fate inside of a dog kennel. Yeah, it was a pretty nasty. Was going to let the dogs loose to eat the motherfucker's lower half. The wild shit. I didn't think about it, but the entire hunting exposition that he went into at the campfire, he did every single piece of that to them. Yeah, sicking the dogs on them. Sticking the knife, long-range shots. He wasn't on a helicopter. There was not a helicopter. There you go. Were you satisfied? With the way it ended? Yes. I thought it was fantastic. Didn't make you upset. In my opinion, it gave me a sense of realism. The movie is so like disjointed in how, like, it's almost like it's structureless, right? It almost plays out like it's an actual day in the life of this serial killer. This is how this guy's these these victims suffered their fate. If that's what we're documenting here, what are we taking out of this? What is this story? I think this is one of those movies that doesn't really have a point. Point is, stay the fuck out of, out of Australia. State of it's anti-tourist. That's for damn sure. It's creating a a hard character in Mick Taylor, uh, Mick, uh, Mick Taylor, right? Yeah, Mick Taylor. Uh, Mick Taylor, and that's 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 what this is. I don't know if that's what that's what his intention was, but he definitely created a beast in Mick Taylor. It spawned a sequel, spawned a television series. They got more than one season, and supposedly is getting a third film. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely memorable as hell, and he's probably what most people are going to take out of this. I was in the dumps after watching this, man. Fucking depressing, man. That's so weird, because I could sit there and watch this, and then just, like, I can eat an ice cream while I'm watching this, like ice cream sandwich. I did eat a uh, strawberry shortcake ice cream on a stick. It was delicious. Fuck, that sounds good. That's oh. good. Head on a stick. So you can watch this film and be disgusted and distraught and sweating and you can't sleep and yada, 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 yada. But you love, and I do mean love, the Terrifier. Terrifier, yeah, because we're getting into a different realm there. Terrifier is comically gory. To the point you know it's it's almost like satire. Do you remember the second one, though? There was like magic powers and shit, too. I understand. There was a there was a little dead girl running around too smiling. Exactly. This is the way this movie this is subtle. Like, this is like a documentary this is how this is being pitched to it's me. It's like it's like it's a fucking like I said, it's like a, a, a real day in the life of a serial killer. 
of the three of us, I think I've done the most uh, backpacking. I've never, never like camped overnight at a fucking crater, but I just never had this kind of fear. But yeah, it's just where have you have you ever been to Australia? I've been to Canada, uh, all over North America. They got free healthcare up there. It's nothing to be scared of. Well, that's true. I think it's you add in the fact that these women were tourists too, and you get the whole the xenophobia on high type deal too, because it's. It's like comfortable enough because they speak English. They kind of look like you, but they ain't you. And I think that's kind of mixed whole thing is you ain't fucking me. You think you know who I am, but you don't know who I am. That's like the the Australian aspect of the movie, I believe, you know. But Australia was originally used as a prison colony for Britain, right? Like they would send oh, yeah. prisoners there. Like that's the white people that are there, for, have been there for generations. Mick Taylor is in what you would call an OG fucking wild bro i enjoyed it i, I didn't like I'm, i'll be honest with you the whole when the as soon as we see ben on the crucifixion board all, all of that shit seemed very dumb and thrown into me the whole ben aspect that's just me sorry totally opposite for me okay okay i think it it is some of the most real shit the movie has going for it but you pull yourself off the cross you get into the camp you don't look for survivors baby you have what is called self-preservation. Really you get the fuck out of Dodge. How do you even put that he together? Didn't, he didn't look for shit. Because, I mean, I watched the movie. I know that they're both gone. I'm not in his headspace. He didn't say their name, didn't fucking think about them for a second. He saw them goddamn dogs, was nipping at his fucking dick. I'm getting out of here. Yeah, that's true. For me, I really I really like the ending. But then again, I like ambiguous, open-ended shit. But like the whole piece about how he was, he walked through the outback. He so happened to come across a van. They got put on a plane. He went to court, and then the police couldn't figure out where this campsite was. I mean, it's the outback, man. The outback is massive. It's huge. I understand. The shit covers like seventy-five percent. He says it earlier in the movie that there's fucking hundreds of campsites that were abandoned, like yeah. while they were mining operations, the all yeah. kinds of shit. He brings it up. Okay. okay. And this, uh, it gets like the whole based on true events label slapped on it because of the serial killer we were referring to. But there's also like another incident referring to the the backpack killer of like these things are being reported and there was this somebody who was being held as liable for these people's deaths, but he can never produce the body or the place where all this crazy shit that he said happened happened. So that this the title card aspect that kind of relates back to an actual true crime Australian thing. So. See, I, I definitely get what you're saying about them not finding the campsite being unbelievable. But I'm think if you're thinking from the perspective of somebody who lives in America versus Australia. Because my thought process is, okay, he couldn't have walked but so far. I mean, he's a, he's a grown man with no water, no food. And he got picked up at a spot. They couldn't just search that, you know, 20-mile radius. I mean, that's a fair point, but... Because he's picked up by more tourists too, which I think is kind of an yeah. interesting point. He's not picked up by a local, it's so it's uh it's German German tourists. They don't yeah. speak fucking English. They don't know what the fuck's if, going on either. If uh, true crime podcasts are harking back to that, have taught us anything. There are a lot. There's a lot of bad detective work out there. Oh yes, we well, are rooting against Mick at the end. Oh no, not at all. Really, that's fucking blows no. my mind, dude. That's a Freddy Krueger. He's a Freddy Krueger type. Who said it earlier? He's a Freddy Krueger type. I don't want to see Freddy Krueger die. It says it's weird to say, but he's too charming. I want to see more of his story. All right, I don't want to see him taken out by any of these three characters. Put it that way. It, it wouldn't have been earned. He needs a worthy adversary, that's what you're telling me? 
These characters are purposely, in my opinion, like bland, run-of-the-mill characters. Joey wants the guy for Friday To, to see him taken out by Tommy. any of these three would Tommy. not feel earned whatsoever. Somebody call Tommy. I get you. I mean, as a movie fan, I understand that, but like getting into the story, man, I think I just have like a real fucking distaste for like sex crimes. And Don't we have enough horror movies that end with them killing the fucking killer and walking off into the sunset? We literally have the killer walking off into the sunset in this movie. Can we just can we just stop beating around the bush and just say hopefully in Wolf Creek three Mel Gibson is backpacking across the outback and he goes Fuck one on one. Yes. I want to see Nick the re- I want to see the reboot with Mel Gibson playing fucking that would playing, be awesome playing, playing Mick Taylor man I want to see it give me back my son Tom Hardy as Mad Max decapitate this motherfucker that's what I want to see like our guy Mick well your guys Mick we're walking off to the sunset let's wrap this bad boy up piece of memorabilia you're taking home from down under i could shave a spider's ass if i wanted mix bowie just cut through three of liz's digits like a hot knife through butter give me that the bowie's op man it's op brother and the bowie's fantastic i i knew one of you to pick it so i didn't i didn't pick it actually give me his version of i think it was a fedora Got it down to two things. I said the Bowie. Someone's going to pick that. Second choice, Kimmy Mick's hat. The, the Australian hat. hat is what I called it. I don't know yeah, what you call yeah, it. The, the bush hat. I think if you Google Australian hat. hat, this is the thing that pops up. So The bush hat. That fucking thing. It looked cool. So you so you hate Mick Taylor, Chris, yet you want something off his body. What does that say about I you? I needed something Australian to take out of the movie. I mean, I appreciate the actor. He did great work. character was charismatic. But God damn, I did not like. I did not like him as a person. <laughs> That's just fucking... I think a normal person would not like this guy as a person. Get the grade books out. Tell me what you thought of 2005's Wolf Creek. 2005's Wolf Creek. For starters, Greg McLean does a really, really good job at showing just how beautiful and inviting the Outback is while also bringing to light how eerily empty and isolating it can be at the same time. Almost playing second fiddle to the landscape, the characters we follow. There's nothing about them that make them stand out. They're not overly attractive. They're not particularly clever or strong-willed or heroic. And aside from being charismatic, they're pretty bland. They're boring. Just like normal, everyday people. And that lends itself well to the horror as it allows you to put yourself in the victim's shoes. And you can see yourself in that very same situation as a tourist in a foreign place. Now, they do make some far-fetched, stereotypically stupid decisions throughout the film, which for me does take me out of the uh, movie somewhat, but the same can be said for just about any slasher movie throughout horror history. Although often car- categorized with that frequently de- the uh, depreciating uh, label of torture porn upon its reception, in my opinion, the movie could have been much more ruthless and violent, but it holds back allowing the moviegoer to create his, his or her own image of the killer's cruelty in its subtleness, which makes the movie that much more disturbing. It really leads the level of brutality of Mick Taylor to the dark corners of the imagination of the viewer. Speaking of Mick, John Gerrard's Mick Taylor is a superb antagonist, a great performance that really credits the decision for multiple sequels and a TV series. Not to belittle the acting of the three leads, uh, who are all very good, 
But uh, Gerard steals the movie as soon as he makes his appearance. Overall, I enjoyed the almost structureless chaos of Wolf Creek. And being a fan of Hostel, kind of regret not seeing it sooner. It has that sort of climax that I wish the theatrical cut of Hostel had uh, when it first came out. We all know I'm a sucker for an uh, ambiguous ending. Here's looking at you, childs. 2005's Wolf Creek grades out with the B. Wolf Creek from 2005 was somehow a blind spot, and I'm not exactly sure how or why, because this came out like in the prime years of me watching horror films. I don't know why I just kept falling through the cracks, but thanks to Chris, I was able to check this off of my list. And I got to say, I was pleasantly surprised with this Australian horror film. The character of Mick Taylor, like I said on this podcast several times, in my opinion, is up there with the greats now, with Jason Voorhees, Michael Myers, and Freddy Krueger's alike. He is Australia's version of that. And he is this film. There are lots of plot holes. The first 20 minutes are pretty rough to get through because, in my opinion, it's just mundane plot points. But as soon as Mick Taylor comes into this film, it takes it to another level. And because of that, I give this film a B. Love you, Mick. Wolf Creek is, without a doubt, a solidly crafted flick. The locations really nail the whole unique, desolate vibe. I really appreciated the use of Australia here. Um, Mr. Greg McLean cooks up the 70s horror feel that I know that we all love with a little bit of Outback in the mix. And I ain't talking about that blooming onion. But Wolf Creek does not leave a great taste behind. It doesn't really scare you and doesn't offer a ton of insight into the crimes it claims to document. I was a big fan of the production. Some of the shots uh, were beautiful. Uh, a lot of the production stills just looked great. And the actors were all fantastic. They all worked for me. Usually these kinds of characters are dull and forgettable, but I kind of ended up digging everybody who was in this movie. The plot, like we've kind of outlined, is a little hollow. It's just kind of, this is what happened, the end. Which works for some people, others not so much. I rarely ask myself why when I strap in for a horror movie, but this one did bring that question up a time or two. All that being said, I can't deny that it was something I should have watched sooner. Mr. Greg McLean, you will be what I'm going to say, skimming through my class with a C-plus for Wolf Creek. All right, that puts it to bed, boys. I'm going to recap our audience score guesses here. I was null, as this was my choice. So between the two of you guys, you had one job to do. Guess the score within five points of the audience on Rotten Tomatoes, and you could watch whatever movie you want. Did I say 69 again? Joey said 69 again. The memes! (laughs) Mr. Hootie went with a 55. The actual audience score was a 49. For the love of God. Percent. Got him. Fuck, man. He got sniped. He just got micked. We're to call it micked. Mick Taylor just sniped me. Just micked First his of all, ass. You know he's going to pick like Blade 1 or some shit. Now he's going he straight to Blade wins. 2. He wants to get the fucking Ron Perlman. You pick Gilmo del Toro piece. Yes. So I can say Gilmo del Toro incorrectly. Guillermo. So yeah, Guillermo um, del Togo. <laughs> Missed the mark, boys. We gotta, we gotta spin the old random wheel.
the wheel has been spun. Little movie called Pumpkin Head. Oh, Pumpkin shit. Head. The damn wheel threw Hootie a fucking bone, man. Damn. I think oh, it so heard excited. the cries. I love Pumpkin Head. There, Did you grease the sequels. wheel a little bit, Hootie? Did you uh, well, put think, your thumb on the wheel? I think the, the, I think the wheel felt bad for me. It's a pig. Yeah. Pig Lance pig. Hendrickson is Pumpkin Head. Lance Hendrickson is a is a man's man in this film. So, all right, boys, let's hop on YouTube and watch the trailer for Pumpkinhead from 1988. If you guys want to watch along and listen to the banter, hop on our YouTube channel. You can get our live reactions there. actually have episodes being released on the platform there now as well. So check out the YouTube if you want to catch that reaction. All right, boys, there was the trailer. What do we think the audience score on that beast from the 80s sits at? On Rotten Tomatoes. I'm going to go 35. That looked like shit. That did look like a really <laughs> fucking juicy, disgustingly sweaty whopper that I would love to ingest. I'm going to put it at a 50. Here's the thing. I fucking love creature features, so I'm probably going to like the movie, but I can just tell that people probably fucking, aside from who you people hate this movie. I love creature features, and it's just right up my alley. One dear to my heart. I'm going to go Ray Lewis, 52. Alrighty, good folks. Thank you for listening. Check out our website, horriblefilmschool.com. You can find links to every podcast platform, Instagram, the merch store, all that good stuff. Give us a follow everywhere. Leave a review everywhere else. Send us some nice, clean, purified, bottled water. I'm going to say goodbye and offer my support to women in general. Steer clear of all those sick fuckers out there. As always, if you're hearing our voices, tell at least one person you know. Spread that love. Spread the campaign of the horrible film school. And with that, I'm giving myself a pumpkin pie so I can watch Pumpkinhead. And I'm out. Thanks for all the likes, the subs, the listens, the follows, the downloads. We really appreciate you guys and gals' support, as well as your time and attention. Be sure to join us in the next one when we take a stroll through the pumpkin patch in 1988's Pumpkinhead. Class dismissed.